Free tacos. Free tacos. Beer. So welcome back. All right, everybody. Cool. This is our, our third episode of live action trivia. Yes. Action team trivia from <laughs> from Free Tacos. Yep. All right. Here we go. It's the first one. All right. And I am David, the brewery buddy here. Mm-hmm. Joe, the, produce, the producer, can you see me? Oh, okay. Kind of. You can see your um, back. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> um, your best side. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um over so, here we get uh, Silent Nick, mm-hmm. Holy Sister Lisa, yeah. and we haven't actually met uh, Elsa. 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 <laughs> Elsa is here. Elsa's here. Okay. <laughs> Elsa's off camera. Okay. All, all right. right. So we got all the all the best minds right now. We're mm-hmm. gonna get started. Um, if this is your first time listening, and it's definitely your first time watching, because this is the first time we've had anybody watch us um so the rules are pretty simple i'm going to ask a question you guys get to talk about it decide what you want your answer to be um and then we'll talk about it there's a lot of extra uh like facts and history and things that'll go into uh the answer so it won't be just a simple uh you know yes or no answer for any of the questions up on the tv screen if you need to refer to the question that i asked we are going to have like a couple of like little animations they may help they may not help but either way um definitely take a look at the uh the screen the screen yeah so we're gonna do our first category here oh it's uh right. five categories three questions each mm-hmm. uh and sometimes they even relate to each other Ooh. Ooh. so we're starting off with some crazy history all right as always because i love history questions so. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so wilmer mclean has a very unusual distinction in the annals of civil war history wilmer is able to have made a claim in 1865 that is truly a remarkable statement what is wilmer mclean's place in history i have no idea nicole my guess is you know this what is wilmer mclean's claim to fame from the american civil war yep in 1865 1865. What is his big claim? What do you What do you think, Nick? Was he maybe Let's... like the last guy to die in the war? Ooh, the last guy to die um, in the war. That's a good guess. Does that guy look like he's a soldier? That is actually a picture of Wilmer McLean, by the way. Okay. That's, that's not a fake picture. That is. That's really the guy. Yeah. Um... I have no idea. <laughs> okay um i'm gonna say he was he a doctor by any chance Ooh, no okay <laughs> he was a farmer okay a farmer. um yeah elsa any guesses elsa guesses <laughs> what do you know about american civil war history uh, being from not so, much. <laughs> Not so much. I was going to say he looked like a founding father. Okay. <laughs> well, it's just not a thing. It's, mm. a, it's a, like a, a hundred years too late for that. Wow. Um, okay. So so our guess is uh, the that last, he's the last, the last guy to die. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, actually, 
1854, the gentleman farmer William McLean moved to a quiet country home in the meadows of Manassas Junction, Virginia. It was July 18, 1861 that the opening shots of the first battle of Manassas were fired, beginning the initial conflict of the Civil War. In fact, a federal artillery shell dropped down the chimney of the McLean's house and exploded a stew pot. The McLean family spent most of the battles of Manassas, both of them, in hiding. And even the post-Gettysburg engagements touched the borders of Wilmer's quiet little farm. Fed up with the constant battles, McLean moved his family to the crossroads of a Potomac's courthouse. Okay. Where... On Palm Sunday, April 9th, 1865, mm-hmm. the Apotomax Courthouse was deemed the only suitable meeting spot for General Lee and General Grant to sign the surrender of the Army of Northern Virginia. Wilmer McLean is the only one who can claim, and this is a quote, the war started in my front yard and ended in my front sitting room. <gasps> oh. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is quite crazy. That was my second guess, actually. <laughs> I was going to say sure. that, but... So now, moving on to a much less flattering claim. During her wedding in 1004 AD, Maria Argropolina, the Greek niece of the Byzantine Emperor Constantine VIII, used a golden implement which caused quite a fuss. When she died a few years later, St. Peter Damian claimed it was her punishment for using this item as well as her hateful vanity. This item, although commonplace now, is considered sacrilegious and not used regularly in the U.S. until after the 1850s. What was the object that was considered sacrilegious for so long after its initial invention? Lipstick. Lipstick. Mm. Ooh, that was a good guess. Mm. First thing that came to mind, sorry. Deodorant. Deodorant, mm. Nick's thinking over here. Just soap. Soap? Just, I think just soap in general. Yeah. Any guesses? Okay, Nicole says a mirror. A mirror. Ooh, that's good. Because remember, this was at her mm-hmm. wedding feast. Oh, okay. okay. So deodorant would not be at a wedding feast. <laughs> no, she's probably not over there like, hey, check it out, guys. <laughs> no. Hmm. How about... Lipstick could be. Lipstick could be. I still need a mirror. A comb, possibly. What was the year that it... 1004 AD. But for, in the United States? Uh, no, this is in... The, the United States wasn't around back then. Jeez. <laughs> United <laughs> States. That's not what I meant. But there was another year you had oh, said oh, later uh, on. Uh, so the, the item States. wasn't in common use in the United That's States until 1850s. That's what I meant. Okay. In, the, okay. in common use oh. to the 19th States. Thank you. Okay. 1850s. Okay. Because I was trying to think of what could have been in common use at that point. Hmm. Do so. Other than a mirror, do we have any other guesses no. soap. coming through online? He said oh, soap. online. Nothing else online. Hey, check online. Oh, see. Just, I, so I just saw. A I just okay. said a mirror was the only thing I could see. So, okay. All right, a lot of good guesses out there. The answer is actually a fork. Oh, I was thinking oh, silverware too. I should have said that's that. That's right. Damn it. Spoons and knives have been commonplace for. Since, since nearly since the dawn of humanity, uh, folks, on the other hand, are fairly new by comparison, only being commonplace since they were able to be made out of pewter to make them more affordable for the people in the 1600s Europe. It would still be over 250 years later until forks caught on in the United States. The hateful vanity that St. Peter Damien referred to, and this is where these were good guesses, but the hateful vanity that he was talking about was uh, Maria Agropolina's 
use of perfume and scented baths. Ah. <laughs> and of course, uh, the use of the fork, even though it might have been a golden one. Still kind of vain. Um, oh. I mean, she could have been using it like a dingle hopper. She could have, she could have been combing her hair with it, but I think she was using it to eat. Um, I, I, I can't quite tell. Oh, the picture's gone. But um, so, uh, the the reason that it became sacrilegious was because why would you use a fork when God gave you five forks already to use your fingers? Um, and. That's it. In fact, forks are so commonplace now, you can even use them on airplanes. <laughs> wow. The Haviland DH-106 Comet was the world's first commercial jet airliner, which first flew in 1949. Although de Haviland were incredibly far ahead of their competitors like Boeing, they began commercial flights in 1952. Within a year, though, they were nearly bankrupt due mostly to a single design flaw that planes no longer have today. What was the flaw in the design? They no longer have today? They no longer have uh, today. Uh, and as far as I know, that is an actual picture of the original DH-160 Comet. Okay, so online, pull up a picture of the <laughs> DH-106 Comet. Um, and see what it looks like. Ooh, do we have some more comments? <clears throat> Let's see, I'm looking. It has um, to be an engine thing. It has to be an engine thing. The, the propeller? Somebody says a propeller. Ooh, a yeah. propeller? Well, uh, this is a jet flight, a jet engine. Derek. This is the first jet engine, so uh, propellers were not used, okay. but they, they still do use the, the engines. Yeah, this is a jet plane. Um, but the jets look really weird. They're like part of the wing. Or to the body? Uh, it is, it is a design that they changed on the actual body of the plane. Yes. And they no longer have it today. And they no longer have it today. See, that's the. Hmm. That's the hmm. part that. I know. I'm making it real tricky. The snout looks very flat. Was this a water plane? No. Nope. No. No. The the hmm. first commercial flights were water planes down out of Tampa and St. Pete, but. Um, those were prop I planes. Know if it was water jet plane. <laughs> You've been what? designed for. Are you a pilot? I am not. No, I just read a lot of trivia, and that was on a beer can a couple weeks ago. <laughs> the front looks very strange. The front does look a little strange, but it is not the design of the front of the plane. Okay. That's something to do with the tail. Hmm. All right, are you guys ready? Here we go. No. All right. The this. answer is square windows. No. Square windows. In square. fact, three of the jet planes broke up in flight, with two of them confirmed to be structural failure due to metal fatigue in the corner of the airframe in the windows. This was fixed in future airplanes by making them oval windows. The third <laughs> one was caused by structural damage during a storm. So if you wanted that extra little tidbit. All right, and that is going to move us on to our next category, Musical Musings. Musical Musings. So, this, the Verve burst onto the music scene in 1997 with Bittersweet Symphony. This song was huge. Nominated for Best Video, Best Song, Best British Single, and a variety of award, at a variety of award shows. But even with all the acclaim, the band and songwriter frontman Richard Ashcroft did not receive royalties until after 2019. Yep. 
why. I know why. Joe actually knows this one. Yes. I was afraid of that. I was like, Joe's, <laughs> Joe's a music guy. Yep. He's going to know this. Um, it's because they were sued to high heaven for using a very popular Rolling Stones song. And they basically said, you will not make any more royalties from this ever or ever profit from this in any way. They sued him to high heaven, basically, and to where they got nothing. So the catchy string arrangement that you hear through the mm-hmm. entire track is actually a sample of an orchestral cover of the Rolling Stones song, The Last Time. Mm-hmm. They received permission from Deco Records but mm-hmm. not from the Stones' manager, Alan Klein. This caused a legal battle where Mick Jagger and Keith Richards were given writing credits. Initial, initially, royalties were going to actually be split 50-50, but once the song became such a hit, mm-hmm. the lawyer said it would either be 100% yep. or they could pull the songs from the radio mm-hmm. and the record shops. This caused Ashcroft to quip, this is the best song that Jagger and Richards have ever written in the last 20 years. <laughs> in 2019... Uh, Jagger and Richards were removed as writers after negotiation with Alan Klein's son, Jody, and the current manager for the Rolling Stones, Joyce Smith. Ashcroft then thanked Mick and Keith for acknowledging me. Oh, uh, we're going to swear here if you're a child. Yeah. Now's the time to stop listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, for acknowledging <laughs> me as the writer of this fucking masterpiece. Mm-hmm. He did go on to say that he never had a quarrel with the Stones, and he thinks uh, they've always been the greatest rock and roll band in the world. Yep. So... Yep. At least there's that. DJ Pizza had it had it pretty close, based on an existing song, which was correct. There we go. It all went to the Rolling Stones. Man, Richard Ashcroft. He's not a pretty dude. <laughs> no. But then again, neither no, I, neither are the Stones. Yeah, exactly. And say he looks like he could have been one of the Stones. <laughs> he really could have. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have another question here. Mm-hmm. Um, born in Guildford. New South Wales, Australia. On August 23rd, 1949, Richard Lewis Springthorpe is a singer and actor who was part of the pop rock group Zoot until he went solo with his hit Speak to the Sky in 1972, although his biggest hit was actually in 1981. He's also appeared in TV shows like True Detective and American Horror Story, which is where that picture's from. What is Richard Lewis Springthorpe's stage name? I have no idea. Oh, man. Yeah, Nick, come on. You're the movie guy. (laughs) I don't recognize him. What do we think, Instagram Live? Who do you think Richard Lewis Springthorpe really is? Yeah. Or in stage (laughs) naminess. Rick Springfield, DJ Pizza. Rick Springfield. (laughs) Is a fantastic guess. That's it. Ah. <laughs> what? Rick what? Springfield. Good job, Nicole. That was Nicole. No, Way to DJ go, Nicole. Pizza. It's that's DJ Pizza. Or, 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 that's what it looks looks like. DJ Pizza. DJ Pizza. <laughs> Sorry. I'm gonna call you that it's, from yeah. now on, Nicole. DJ Pizza. Yeah. Way to go, that's DJ Nicole. Pizza. Uh, yeah, right. So his his like. big his biggest hit was Jesse's Girl in 1981, and he says people accidentally confuse his last name with Springsteen, so they he actually wrote a song that's called Bruce. We're in it. He says, that's what everybody calls him. My favorite line from that song, though, is, you know, my mama called me long distance yesterday. As we got off the phone, I swear I heard her say, bye-bye, Bruce. Wow. <laughs> Good job. 
Good job, DJ. Good job, Nicole. That's great. It seems like all singers want to be actors, though, and all actors want to be singers. Like Will Smith and Mark Wahlberg both becoming actors, and Bruce Willis cut an album. Jason Schwartzman is in the band Phantom Planet, and even the lead singer of 30-odd foot of grunter, Tofog, is the gladiator himself, Russell Crowe. <laughs> in an epic crossover of actors and singers, as well as a Free Tacos action trivia category... There is a movie that came out in 2000 called Duets, which dealt with the rousing life of outlaw karaoke singers, as well as a daughter who's played by Gwyneth Paltrow, who reconnects with her father, who is, get this, a professional karaoke hustler. (laughs) What singer plays the sporty, newsworthy father who is the professional karaoke hustler? No, I'm going to guess by the way you set that up, Huey Lewis. See, I give too many clues sometimes. <laughs> the answer is, in fact, Huey Lewis. The Hugh. Nice. Newsworthy because the band he played was with the news, and sporty because my favorite Derek album it from right him too. is called Sports. With hits mm-hmm. like Heart of Soul, If This Is It, The Heart of Rock and Roll, and I Want a New Drug, you can see why that album's so awesome. Duets also <laughs> features, as you can see up on the screen, Paul Giamatti, Maria Bello, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine's Captain Holt, Andre Brower. And this is going to move us into movie mysteries. Movie mysteries. All right. Here we go. Since we're talking about incredible actors, in 1987, Sam Elliott played Con Villain in a TV movie called The Quick and the Dead, where he saves a family from the ruthless gang of outlaws, which he does single-handedly because he's a badass. In 1995, another movie named The Quick and the Dead was released, uh, which is about a frontier town that has a yearly showdown dueling tournament. This intense action film stars Sharon Stone, Lance Hendrickson, and a very young Leo, I'm the king of the world, DiCaprio. The final showdown <laughs> comes down to Gene Hackman's overlord, Herod, and what rising star who made this his American film debut? Hmm. What year did you say this was? 1995. American film debut for this actor. It is not Rick Springfield. <laughs> Any guesses, Internet World? Oh. Russell Crowe. Oh, we got a Russell Crowe guess. From, uh, from, 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 from D Pizza? From DJ Pizza. DJ Pizza. DJ Pizza. Russell Crowe is actually Australian. And exactly. The Quick and the Dead was his American movie debut. Wow. That's right. The gladiator himself, Russell Crowe. Not Good only is job. he the front man of 30-odd foot of people. grunt or toe fog, but he uh, already had starred in 19 films in Australia, including The Intense Romper Stomper, Proof, and The Sum of Us, where he played a gay man who lives with his father, who's a widower and is looking for love, and also dealing with the recent revelation of his son's homosexuality. This lighthearted comedy is so heartwarming and shows such incredible family values that it's a must-see. Mostly because uh, when Russell Crowe goes to leave one day in very tight pants, his father says, those pants are so tight, I can tell your religion. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Quentin Tarantino has been known to write a few risque lines in his day, but did you know that in order to pay for his 
uh, Reservoir Dogs film, he penned two other movies, one of which was sold for $10,000 and made by Oliver Stone, and the other was sold for $50,000 and made by the late Tony Scott. Both of these movies feature a love story and a whole lot of death and violence, and even both some big-name stars before they assembled with the Avengers. What were these two movies? I'm not good at movie stuff. I don't watch enough movies. Come on, movie guy. Come on, movie people. One of these movies I really enjoy, and the other is in my top five favorite movies. <laughs> Soul to make Reservoir Dogs. Joe doesn't watch movies yeah. either. So. Well, but I mean, like, I know those movies, but I don't. I didn't know he. I didn't know he. Any guesses? Wrote Internet movies world. before that. Uh, finance Reservoir yeah, Dogs. Just know the, the famous ones. What are they? As soon as you tell me, well, gonna... one, one of them is very famous, and the other one, which is the one that I like more, <clears throat> I think is a lot less famous, because I, I found it in a DVD bin. It was like, what the heck is this? Why are there a million actors in this? I have to see it. And, but did and this so movie? Got... Did these movies come out after Reservoir Dogs? Around the same time. But I can't even think of the famous Pulp, Pulp Fiction and... Um, it was, uh, uh, Pulp Fiction was one. after Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, I know. But... So they, they were sold, they were made by other directors, so they're not Tarantino okay. movies. Mm. So how would we know that? We uh, so no. Well, I mean, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So we got yummy. no guesses, internet. No. Any internet guesses? Last oh, chance. Man. DJ Pizza. DJ Come Pizza. Come on, DJ Pizza. Yeah. Come on, Derek. I see you guys yeah. both there. All right. Still here thinking. We go. No. The two movies are Natural Born Killers <gasps> and True Romance. What? Whoa. <laughs> Natural Born Killers was directed by Oliver Stone and features Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis Uh, as lovers who go on a killing spree with having it documented by a journalist played by Robert Downey Jr. True Romance was directed by Tony Scott and stars Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette who may accidentally kill a drug dealer played by the chameleon Gary Oldman and accidentally steal a suitcase full of cocaine that belongs to the mob. The cast includes Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken, Michael Rappaport, James Gandolfini, and... Samuel L. Jackson. Mm. Also, Brad Pitt plays a stoner named Floyd, and Val Kilmer sneaks in a blurry cameo. Oh. Hails Helvis. What a what so a my question what a is, cast. Are these in the Tarantino universe? Uh, they are not. Okay, so like the cocaine or the suitcase full of cocaine wouldn't be like the. No, it's not the thing case. Marcellus Wallace wanted. No. no, no, it's definitely a suitcase full of cocaine. Okay, and it gets blown up at the end. Huh. Okay. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh no! The, the oh, movie's no. the movie's been out for twenty five years. You yeah. should see it by now. <laughs> go see Go see True Romance. It's amazing. It's really good. Mm-hmm. I love it. All right, this moves us on to question number nine, which is a Star Wars question. Oh, this is our "Does a Wookie shit in the woods?" question. <laughs> what film outside of the Star Wars franchise sees a main character encounter a Jedi Master and say the phrase "home" before being turned away? What's more, this same character would later be seen briefly in a Star Wars film. Okay, repeat the question one more time. One more time. <laughs> what film outside the Star Wars franchise sees a main character encounter a Jedi Master and say the phrase home before being turned away? What's more, this same character would later appear seen briefly in a Star Wars film. I think I know. Go. Let's hear it. I'm going to guess it's E.T. I was going to say the same thing because I knew that there was like a cameo for that. It is, in fact... E.T. the extraterrestrial. Mm. Ah. Okay. 
You did? You saw Nicole e. said E.T. as well. Good yeah. job, Nicole. So not only does E.T. respond favorably to Elliot's Star Wars toys, but when he sees a child trick-or-treating as Yoda, he tries to go to him while saying home. Yeah. In Star Wars Episode One, E.T. like aliens can be seen in the Republic scenes. Mm-hmm. These are known mm-hmm. as Asagonians uh, in the Star Wars franchise. What's more, since those movies happened a long, long time ago, could E.T. actually have been a Jedi? Because he does heal people, which we know now, thanks to Star Wars Episode Nine, Ooh. Jedi's can heal people, mm-hmm. and he also levitates the bikes, which yeah. is really a big Jedi thing. So I'm just mm, saying, is E.T. E. a Jedi? A Jedi? Mm, could be. <laughs> wow. Could be. All right, we are moving on to Loopy Laws. Loopy Laws. Loopy Laws. <laughs> yeah, that's from uh, The Good Place, Maya Rudolph, okay. playing the judge. All right, so this was actually a request from Nick, so Nick already knows the answer to this. Uh, I, and maybe he can correct me on some of my facts because legal jargon is really boring. Uh, in the case of 1956 Wiseman v. Industrial Accident Commission, Lloyd Wiseman's wife was seeking death benefits from the Industrial Accident Commission because Lloyd died while he was away on business. If I read this correctly, then ultimately the ruling went in favor of the Industrial Accident Commission, Part of the reason being, Lloyd, the married man, was sharing his hotel room with a woman who, although registered as his wife, was not. They had been drinking between 4 and 5 in the morning. Shortly afterwards, both Lloyd and his lady friend were found dead. How did they die? Overdose. That seems like the obvious. But, I don't Uh, know. Makes sense, though. mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Overdose is a good guess. They're in a hotel room. They're mm-hmm. drinking. Yep. No, her <clears throat> husband. Her husband had something to do with it. Killed him. But they're both dead. Oh, I. You know what? There's not enough information on the the lady friend for me to even know if she was married or if she was oh. a prostitute or. Oh, yeah. or oh I have some answers here. We have carbon monoxide. Okay. We have two people. Oh. Carbon monoxide. Mm-hmm. DJ Pizza and Mermaid Time. Yeah. All right. What do you, what do you say, Nick? Carbon monoxide's a good choice. <laughs> okay. I know the answer, so. Yeah, so, so let's All right, what does it, Nick? Say. They died in a fire. They oh. were smoking yeah. and uh, the hotel caught on fire. Yep. Yeah. It, it, appears, yeah. it appears a cigarette started a fire and both Lloyd and the woman died of asphyxiation and burns. The reason the claim was denied is because there is no way to tell whose cigarette started the fire, and if it were the woman's, then his injuries and death would have been caused by his own immorality or illegal activity. Ooh. Um, If I read that correctly. I Uh think the ultimate appeal for that was that they did get the workers' comp because he was technically a salesman, and he was staying in in the hotel during the course of his traveling as a traveling salesman. So... Regardless of his immoral or his immoral act, he would mm-hmm. have. Uh, he was still technically working. He was on the okay. clock. So what do we have um, as a response there? There's a. Uh, so it was a, a hot love affair. Oh, it was a hot love affair. Uh, That's good. It was a good saying that uh, being an idiot is not a defense. So mm. yeah. yeah, he was definitely being an idiot, but still worked out mm. in favor for his widow, I guess. All right. Cool. 
probably not the best course, but <laughs> one of them. No. Cool. All right, so lots of states have old and antiquated laws dealing with immorality. In Texas, for example, there are laws that include not having sex, oral sex with a chicken. Uh, <laughs> you cannot shoot a buffalo from the second story of a hotel. <laughs> what you about can the story? not milk a stranger's cow. And the entire Encyclopedia Britannica is banned because it contains a formula for making beer. Up until 2008, it was illegal for anyone to own more than six of what type of item? Hey, you wanna... Oh, I have to hit the yeah. things, right? <laughs> In Texas, what was it illegal to own up of up to six of until 2008? 2008. In Texas. Hmm, any good answers here, people? So you could own five of them, but you couldn't Not own, own six. six. What do we got for a response there? What does that one say? Uh, nothing yet. Nope. Dildos? Dildos. It's <laughs> <laughs> a guess. Do we have any other guesses? I'm um, trying to think of something very Texas. Eight. Tractors. Yeah, guns. Tractor. I feel like I feel like both of those things in Texas are encouraged to own more than six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, Probably. All right, what else do we have there? Barbecues? What's the, what's the next Barbe- one? Anything Barbecues. else? Books. Books. <laughs> 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 Uh, was that yeah. was that uh, mermaid time? He said dildos. No, oh, mermaid yeah. time. Dildos, yeah. Mermaid time is correct because in the state of Texas until 2008, it was illegal to own six or more dildos or fake vaginas. Wow. Um, and vaginas. it's actually it was up to a felony charge for owning that. Jeez. And oh even now, I think you can't own realistic looking dildos. They have to be like those like bright colored plastic ones. You can't have mm-hmm. ones that actually have veins or anything. Not, not that that matters. <laughs> okay. just, just a bonus fact. Yeah. Just a bonus fact. Uh, wow. On August 26, 1789, the Declaration of the Rights of Man and the Citizen and of the Citizens was proclaimed, ending the French Revolution. This was after, on July 11, 1789, the people of Paris stormed the Bastille in order to gain ammunition and gunpowder. And while they were there, they decided to free all the prisoners from the Bastille. How many prisoners were freed when they stormed the Bastille? Twenty. Twenty? Okay. Yeah. Two hundred. All right, we got a lot of good guesses. Anybody know? Mermaid Time also wanted to throw in that, in oh, yeah. fact, some campuses allow guns, but not dildos. That's good to know. <laughs> it's going to be really hard for those students to go fuck themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Any um, any guesses, anybody? Come on, Nicole, you should know this one. <sighs> what's your anybody? guess, Nick? What do you think, Nick? What's your, what's your guess? Nick, you said Eight. Eight. Eight is very close. Oh. It's actually seven. What? The Bastille was actually an important target because uh, the captives that were there were due to uh, arbitrary royal indictments that could not be appealed. And most of the time, these prisoners weren't even told why they were locked up. Essentially mm. political prisoners. Yeah, absolutely. Um Mermaid Time says one Princess Peach situation. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're moving on to our Disney discourse. Ooh, Disney, woo! So, Splash Mountain was created to bring more traffic into Bear County land and Disney in Disneyland, and 
used the animatronics from America Sings, which was also poorly attended. Originally, it was going to be called something along the lines of zip River Run, but Michael Eisner made the choice to change the name to Splash Mountain in 1984 during production. Why did he change the name to Splash Mountain? The movie The Song of the South. Yeah, but... But why would that have to do with Splash? Yeah. 84 or 94? Probably because... 84. I don't know. Who knows this? Anybody? Mm, come on, Disney people. I mean, it is obvious that you're going to get splashed. But yep. I don't know. And I think, I think that's kind of why he, he mm-hmm. decided to go with that name. But... What was the reason? Yeah. Why, why do they want... To let people Splash. know the mermaid movie wet. Splash, Mermaid Time. Correct mm. again. Oh. All right. Oh. <clears throat> A company executives what? wanted to use the ride to promote the film Splash, starring Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. <clears throat> they wanted the ride. No. They wanted a ride where you float past scenes from but the never movie with mm. animatronic Tom and mm. Daryl's. Eisner ignored all of the requests except for the name. <laughs> wow. And it didn't oh. work before, like, That's crazy. Decade though. Interesting. Can, can you imagine, like, instead of hearing fun songs, yeah. you're just seeing, like, a, a lady fall on the floor and have yeah. her legs turn into flippers? Like, splash the <laughs> movie ride. It's, it's, it's basically splash the Little Mermaid ride now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But if, if, if there was a quality Tom Hanks animatronic, I don't know. I can uh, go for that. In 84, though? Yeah. Mm, I mean, maybe now. Maybe, maybe now. now yeah. yeah. All right. Here we go. I like using this picture. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> when Disneyland first opened, there were all sorts of shops on Main Street, USA. One in particular sold a specific item sponsored by Hollywood Maxwell. This shop wasn't even open for a full year before it closed. What item did this shop sell? Coffee. Mouse ears. Mouse ears? Coffee? In Disneyland when it first opened? In Disneyland when it first opened. Um... Not magic, because that lasted a while. So it's like, what item did, did they sell that they don't sell anymore? Um, cigarettes. <laughs> mm, cigarettes is a good good option, too. Um, Dildos. <laughs> <laughs> Mermaid uh, time, correct again. Was... It was a... No, I'm just kidding. The Hollywood Maxwell Main what? Street sex shop. No. <laughs> they did sell risque... Uh, Lingerie at Pleasure Island. Bubblegum. Um, yeah. Bras. Bras. Risque lingerie from Silent Nick over here. Uh, Bras, the intimate apparel shop, was designed to fit in with a small town feel. It was built with a porch for husbands to wait while their wives shopped. There was also even an animatronic inside (laughs) called the Wonderful Wizard of Bras, who gave advice (laughs) and the history of Bras. He's like a big bearded man, and it's like a play off the Wizard of Oz. (laughs) What the hell? That's why he was there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, see, people people also said gum and alcohol too mm-hmm. all right we are on our final question of the day which means it's going to be a disney Ooh, movie so question here we go in loosely based on the fable of the same name chicken little was released in 2005 this animated film uses computer animation to bring this adventure to life the film stars the voice talents of joan cusack dan molina steve zahn gary marshall amy sedaris and don knotts as they help save humanity from a falling piece of the sky well Aliens. 
Mm. Even with all those actors listed previously, I still didn't name the actor who voices Chicken Little himself from one of my tav- favorite TV shows. Who voiced <laughs> Chicken Little? The sky's falling. The sky's falling. Yeah. I know, but I'll wait. Uh, Maybe yeah. somebody online knows. Does anybody know? We got Silent Nick over here. Who knows? Hold on, give it's give the internet some time to, to catch, catch up, up here. And that uh, favorite TV show is <clears throat> a uh, uh, chocolate teddy bear. Right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Oh, um, Deke oh. says Zach, Zach Braff. Braff. Another Zach, oh, Zach Braff. Braff. We got a couple of Zach Braff. Two Zach Braffs. All right. Nick, do we get a third Zach Braff from you? Yeah. We do. How about we that? That's right. It is Zach Braff the from Braff. Scrubs and the Garden State there you fame. Go. Both of those he starred in as well as wrote, produced, and directed. Chicken Little is the 46th animated film from Disney and has fluffy aliens that I really want as a plush. <laughs> it also features the voices of Fred Willard, Catherine O'Hara, Patrick Stewart, Wallace Shawn, Patrick Woburton, and Adam West. So there's a lot of awesome voice talent in that. Yes. Yeah, and I wow. think that just goes to show that packing a movie with talent doesn't make it good. No. It's also, I, I think that's also Don Knotts' last movie. And um, I mean, it's all right. Could have yeah. been better. <laughs> I, I still just watched it, and that's how I came up with that question. <laughs> all right everybody all right. well thanks for playing this was fun thanks for joining us on the yes. internet you guys did yeah, a great job people they did good yeah, yeah. and uh, oh look at that somebody even said it was don Knotts' last film yeah awesome <laughs> cool. oh, look at that all right cool. well groovy thanks everybody for uh, coming and joining us and uh, again i'm the brewery buddy yeah i'm joe silent nick yeah. sister lisa yeah and elsa, elsa. <laughs> bye okay. everybody bye. all right buddy we'll see ya